I want to talk this morning about the Holy Spirit, actually, part of what I want to say. So I'm just so, I feel God's here. So I just want to pray again, actually. Uh, Mark is off to pray for me, but I wonder if I can pray for us all. <laughs> is that right? Uh, like it says in the Psalm, Lord, sometimes we feel we're a dumb ox. <laughs> when we so can't grasp your wonder and your majesty, your enthronement, your power, your timelessness, that you bridge eternity. You're magnificent, our creator. How blessed we are, Lord, that we can come this morning and you care for us and you forgive us and you've promised so much to us. And so we come, Lord. I'm going to speak and I'm always nervous about that. What we're asking, God, is that you would speak to our hearts and change me and change us all in the process. That you, Lord, Father in heaven, would be hallowed and that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in us of all people. Amen. Hmm. Great. I think it's interesting that psalm finishes with, now I'm going to tell the world what you do. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's great. So I'm going to start by reading Ephesians chapter 1, which is going to be the kind of um, core scripture. So I'm asking that uh, it'll be projected on the screen, because I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. I'm not despising other ones at all. So I'd rather, it's probably easier if you just watch the words or read the words on the screen if you want to read them. And I'm going to read Ephesians 1. And I'll just start by saying as well that it's, it's written to those in Ephesus. That's what is written in the first couple of verses. But many of the older manuscripts don't have the words in Ephesus. So it's actually written to us. So this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us, and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for his glorious grace. He's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysteries, his mysterious will regarding Christ, 
which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we, Jews, bear in mind Paul is writing, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, that's us, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I haven't stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Hallelujah. In a sense, I'd like to sit down, actually, and just let us take that in, because it's just phenomenal, isn't it? Isn't God good with his word? Amazing. I've been very challenged of late. I think we've had some amazing things here in recent months, and they've really provoked me and challenged me. We've had Silas and Marky and Nigel and Jenny, and I feel God's been speaking to us, and also risk-takers. I don't know how you're getting on with it, with your study of it, or at least the book. I've been very challenged by it, so thank you, David, for promoting it and making us dig into it. At times, I've been broken by it all, and yet encouraged. (laughs) I felt woefully inadequate in myself, and yet drawn to God and his word to trust him more than my understanding. Or inadequacy. And aren't we all like that? (laughs) Because God's amazing. So I want to say what I don't want to do this morning. Four things. I don't want to belittle God in any way, so forgive me if I do. 
I don't want to be unfaithful to Scripture in any way. Because it's given for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in right living. Nor do I want to misrepresent what's on God's heart for you and me. So if I get that wrong, forgive me. And nor do I want to be unfaithful in my delivery this morning through fear or prejudice. That's where I'm coming from. And what's on my heart is this phrase, holy people, faithful followers of Christ Jesus, which we read in Ephesians. And that to me defines discipleship, which I know has been on Mark's heart a lot in, over the last year. And I think it's on God's heart, actually, that Jesus has called us to be disciples, followers. And I'm going to look at it in three ways. First of all, what are we free from? Secondly, what are we free to? And finally, what's the consequence? So freedom from. Various words in Scripture are used to describe freedom, such as freedom, liberty, deliverance, redemption. So in Ephesians we read, he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And the word there is redemption, which means to pay a ransom, payment in exchange for someone who's been taken prisoner. And Jesus said in Luke 4, repeating Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Freedom is on God's heart for you and me. From what? (laughs) Slavery. (laughs) Actually. This redemption is to buy you out of prison. And we were imprisoned. Maybe you still are. Imprisoned in our hearts. But the word slavery or the word um, freedom that Jesus uses in Luke 4 is a different word to redemption. And it means to be bought out and liberated, if you like. It's this sense of sending away it's the same word, root word as forgiveness. You send, forgiveness is sending it away. It's, you're forgiven, it's gone. So it's not just coming out of something. You're free to do something. You're liberated from something. Not just so you're not in prison anymore, but hey, you're liberated. The history of it, the background of it, the reason you were there in the first place. You're free. You're free. It was thrilling with my mentee a, few, a month or so ago when he had to go to the magistrate's court again. And they said, we're remitting your fines. Not all of them, but you're, we're remitting them. He was over the moon. You mean, I don't have to pay them. Two grand. Gone. It was justice, actually. <laughs> it was justice. Colossians says this. For Jesus has rescued us from the dominion or the authority of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, 
and the forgiveness of sins. A different kingdom. Freedom from sins, what's that? (laughs) I've heard it said, oh, it's John Mark Comer actually has said, that the twin sins of the Garden of Eden were rebellion against God, in other words, saying no to God, I'd rather do what I want to do, and secondly, the redefining of what is good and what is evil. I think that's really interesting. And I find that's very personal. Because like in Eden, I can deceive myself ever so easily. I've written this down. I like to justify my behavior rather than examine it under the light of God. I want others to say something is okay because it gaps, backs up my own attitude or normalizes my rebellion. <laughs> is that you? It's me, often. It's interesting, isn't it, that in Hebrews, Paul, or whoever the writer was, calls, mentions the, the pleasures of sin. <laughs> it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that sin isn't pleasurable. Isn't that interesting? But it's a displeasure to God, hugely. So this slavery that we were under, this thing that God, that Jesus has delivered us from, slavery to want, Addictions to narcotics or work or pornography, you name it. It enslaves, doesn't it? It tells you that as long as you're happy and you get what you want, you'll be free. But it's completely the opposite. Like all addictions, they seem to promise a freedom. But in the end, you can't get out of them. You're enslaved. Don't you think sin's like that? And I can kid myself that if I get what I want, I'll be happier. Even a bar of chocolate. But it's a deception, isn't it? And it's the same with issues that are very much in in the news, in in the whole world at the moment, the stuff that's talked about. And John Mark Comer says there are three, three main assumptions when talking about things facing our society. And I want to apply them to myself and to ourselves. One is, nothing should stand in the way of me getting what I want, number one. Number two, that if anyone or anything does, it's oppression. And the third one is, if I can't get what I want, I can't be happy. Amazing, isn't it? Do you know what? Jesus has come to set you free. Free from that domination, that slavery, that you have to get it your way. And I love it in Ephesians. Well, yes, lots of places. But Ephesians, so Paul goes on. There aren't chapters... Divisions in Scripture. So we've just read Ephesians 1, but it carries on like this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the craving of our flesh 
following its desires and thoughts. Like everyone else, we're by by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. I don't know about you, but I know when I started to get convicted of things that weren't right in my life, I could do nothing about it. How about you? Perhaps you thought you could. Perhaps you did. But that was the horror of it. I knew I didn't have the power to be set free. The good news today is that Jesus has died on the cross to purchase, buy your freedom. Amen. And this, one thing I do need to make clear is that actually there will come a time when we all have to give account for our lives. Sorry. It's the truth. (laughs) And just as a, a sort of interesting aside, if you like, a recent survey of funeral directors, the LICC, London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, sent round this week, confirmed that among the top ten songs used in funerals in the UK now, no hymns feature. Isn't that sad? The top ones are still Frank Sinatra's My Way and Vera Lynn's We'll Meet Again. And there's only one modern one, which apparently is an Ed Sheeran one, which I don't know, called Supermarket Flowers. But apparently includes words that kind of say, I know when God took you, he'll say, hallelujah, you're home. It's a lie. (laughs) It's a tragic lie. And it should break our hearts. It certainly breaks God's. This is taken from Thessalonians, which I've done a study of recently. And again, not easy reading, but it so challenges me. They were going through a really difficult time in Thessalonica. Uh, the gospel had gone there, and Paul was, he left, and it got really difficult, and there was persecution. And uh, Paul was worried whether they'd still believe, because it was so tough. But he writes this in the second book. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. And give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who don't know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord after the glory of his might on the day when he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled among all those who have believed. And this includes you, because you believed our testimony. It's challenging. Does that mean I'm judging other people? No, I'm prone to, I have to say. But it doesn't. It means I want them to know this Jesus and this freedom. And it means I want to know how to love them. And show them how great God is and how wonderful this salvation is. 
But we are called to be different. These letters are written to the church. So I want to look at that next. What does it mean for us then? We're free from. What are we free to? Freedom to what? I've called this the normal Christian life. That was a Watchman Knee book. Uh, Good book, actually. I haven't got it anymore. I must have got rid of it. There you go. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I'll say that again. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I didn't make that up. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Holy. What does that word conjure up for you? Take a second. Holy. Puritanical, stoic, old-fashioned, boring? No, nodding heads, no, definitely not. It's a travesty if it does. But it's kind of how the word is used sometimes, isn't it? It's got this kind of, I don't know. In the biblical sense, what does it mean? Separate, different, consecrated for God. Not enslaved to anyone or anything else, but God. That is very, very positive. That is total liberation. Nothing boring about that. Nothing old-fashioned. It's wonderful. And God is calling you and me and us in this church to be a holy people. He is different, separate to him. That doesn't mean we're better of ourselves or aloof. No, just we're his. We're loved by him, part of his family. Holy. We are, lived, we are called to live free to love God, free to obey him, No longer dominated by the prince of this world. Free to serve him. Free to hear his voice. Free to do his will. Free to share good news with people. The people of God, Israel, were delivered for that very same reason out of Egypt. Their slavery. They were called to be a blessing to the world. And they wouldn't. (laughs) They did it their way. And God judged them. And actually, where are we? Where am I? Really? Am I different? So what about temptation then? Does that mean that because we're so free, well, you know, I'm free from sin. It's great. I just go around dancing all day. What's it really like? Well, John speaks very clearly about temptation and says... Yeah, this temptation, it's desire of the flesh, desire of your eyes, it's the pride of life. Are you tempted? I am. Do you have to give in to it? No. 
It doesn't have to tyrannize you anymore. How can that be? How can that be? Well, Jesus overcame sin by a cross. And Jesus said to us, take up your cross. He's dealt with the power of it, but he's asking us to be followers of him. His disciples, follow me. Do as I do. Is that easy? Not always. Is it possible? Yes. Do I fail? Yes. But hey, there is forgiveness. (laughs) So if anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I was thinking about... um, Oh, I was watching our granddaughter yesterday, and she's just learning to toddle. She's a year, and she's got one of these little truck things that you push along with four wheels, and you know, like this. She can't walk on her own yet. So, actually, she took two steps yesterday, first time. But she, she goes like crazy with this thing. But it always veers to the left. (laughs) And uh, Jonathan, my son, said to me, "Oh, that thing. We need to take it up to." one of these garage places and get them to do the tracking. I wonder what they'd say. (laughs) (laughs) But it it made, I was reminded this morning, I thought, I need my tracking adjusted. My tracking and wheel alignment. It's it's always going to go that way. (laughs) It's just in me, it's who I am, and I don't want it to be that way, but it is. And uh, Nigel Coles complimented Caroline Monday, didn't, she? didn't he? And, and I do. Because she's, she's always saying about realigning. <laughs> Let's realign our tracking. And when we come on a Sunday and worship, we're realigning ourselves to God, getting our tracking adjusted. Thank God for that. So daily, taking up our cross means, God, get my tracking right. <laughs> I'm here for you. I don't want to veer off that way. Get my tracking and alignment right. Help me. How does he do that? How does it happen? The Holy Spirit. If he wants us to be holy people, he gifts us, Jesus gifts us with himself in the Holy Spirit. So in his book, Risk Takers, John Mark Comer says this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person who speaks, thinks, feels, listens and responds. He's present everywhere in the creation and Jesus breathes him out upon the disciples. He leads us to truth, convicts us of sin, defends us before the world, equips us for mission and gives us an assurance of our salvation. Hallelujah. He's got all that from scripture. Hallelujah. But can I expect the Holy Spirit to lead me and empower me if I insist on being the Lord of my own life? I did ask Marky about this, so if I'm wrong, you can speak to him afterwards. I said, is walking in the Spirit, living, knowing the Holy Spirit, conditional? Because sometimes 
the language I use and I think we can use generally in church is, is, well, you know, I'm a Christian now, so the Holy Spirit's with me. Is he? Will you let him be? Or actually, do we kid ourselves? Do I kid myself? Um, I think it's in Malcolm Duncan again in the book. He says that um, we can't expect the spirit to be the fuel in our car if we're in the driving seat. <laughs> Who's in the driving seat of your life? Sure, we talk about the power of the spirit and all this kind of thing. But will, will we let him be? Will we let God be the Lord of our life? If not, wow, dangerous you put good fuel in a car that's going the wrong direction, you're going to get a smash. <laughs> so how would God trust us with that? It'd be stupid, wouldn't it? But I do want to say the normal Christian life is living in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And is it conditional? Yeah. And so one of the things we're doing at Home Group this coming week uh, is... Looking, because of risk takers, we're looking at chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 of John's Gospel. Because at the end of chapter 13, um, Judas leaves the, the upper room to go and betray Jesus. And all the rest of it is Jesus giving his kind of final farewell, long discourse to the disciples and saying, But I'm going to send the Spirit. I'm going, but he's coming. He'll be your advocate. Read it. It's amazing. Read it. And here's a few things that he says in those chapters. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. All who love me will do what I say. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And in his letters, John writes this. We can be sure that we know him if we do what he says. The world is fading away along with everything people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. And again, back in Ephesians, Paul says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children. Live a life filled with love, Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice to us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things that people do. Once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. He's talking to the church. 
not to those outside the church. He's talking to the people that God has rescued and saved and liberated to say, you can live differently now. You must. I think last time I spoke, I referred to this scripture in Colossians 2, verse 6 that came up when I was away on a weekend with some friends, where it says, um, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. And uh, I've often reflected on that since. How did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? I was hopeless, helpless. I had no power whatsoever to do what he wanted. So what did I do? Abandon. (laughs) What did he do? Save me. Day one. (laughs) Continue like that, is what he's saying. Last week, Iron started the service with Kara, and she was standing up there. Do you remember? For those of you here, and he was saying to Kara, oh, you've just started going off the top board at the swimming pool. What was that like? <laughs> it was great just to have that thought, that conversation. Well, uh, it's abandonment, isn't it? You, once you go beyond a certain point, you can't say, I've changed my mind. <laughs> You're gone into the water. And uh, I don't know about you, But when I first somehow, somehow, Jesus in his grace opened my eyes to who he was, it was abandonment. It's meant to be. If you haven't abandoned Jesus yet, it's the most liberating thing that can ever happen for you. Ever. And John Mark Comer, who I've referred to before, Uh, And my home group will know this story quite well. But he talks about a legend to do with the Knights Templar during the Crusades. And uh, he said, I can't verify that it's true. But apparently, it is said that they were baptized in their full armor on the way to battle. And when they were being baptized, they held their swords above the water. In essence, they were saying, my sword will not be joining the kingdom of God because I need that. I want to do other stuff with that. It remain part of the kingdom of this world. I need to fight with this and kill in my own strength. And his question was posed as I pose to myself, have you got anything that you've held above the water? <laughs> yes, I'm all for God, all for Jesus. He's wonderful, marvellous. But not my wallet, not my career, not my choice in partner, not my what? <laughs> Only you can answer that. I've had to answer it myself. And I find that challenging. (laughs) But it's the liberating truth that we can't really know our freedom if we don't give it all to the one who sets us free.
<clears throat> and uh, referring back to John, if you read John's epistles after the gospel, he writes his epistles, the very last sentence in the first epistle of John is, keep yourself from idols. Or if it says in the NLT, um, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Yeah? Keep away from anything that might take away from God's place in your hearts. I saw another friend last weekend, and uh, he was, he's uh, part of the church in Reading, we were part of years ago, and he was talking about his son, and uh, lovely chap, actually really nice, he's now got a young family and so on, but he was just talking about him, he said, you know, he went through a phase some years ago when he just got really kind of, I don't know, dry and wasn't really going anywhere and he was getting concerned for him, still, still coming to church and doing all the right things, but you could just tell, you know, mm. He's now just been appointed as head of a, a school, head of school somewhere, uh, amazing job. But he was reflecting back with his son, saying, so, but you've changed, haven't you? He said, yeah, five years ago. I said, all for Jesus. I'll do whatever you want. And since that day, he's lived in step with the Spirit as best he can. So job opportunities came, and he thought, no, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. It would take me down that road. And he's made decisions that have been tough. But he's done them because God is talking to him. And he remembers that day, not long ago, when he said, it's everything. I'm not going to mess with you. And you know what? God's blessed him. <laughs> blessed him. And using him. It's marvelous, marvelous. I want you to know that. <laughs> I do. I really, really do. And so that on that day when we meet Jesus face to face, okay, I don't think I'm going to go bounding up and saying, look, I got it all right. Far from it. But he'll say, okay, well done. Good and faithful servant, you followed my lead. <laughs> I won't feel very confident, I don't think, except that I know he's a forgiving God. <laughs> Romans 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. Right, my third point is very brief consequence. Jesus said, I'll do whatever the Father requires of me so the world will know that I love the Father. How is anyone going to know that you love God and that your relationship is real, 
and vibrant and that Jesus is worth getting to know if they don't see it in you. But if you do, it's natural. This is how the world will know that you're his disciples. You love him and you love your brethren. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to argue about the creation or all these things that are difficult to get your head around. If we love him and live in relationship with him, you know what? The Holy Spirit can do his work of convicting the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And I pray God I could do that better. Live well with him. I pray that for this church, that we would live holy, separate lives, not so that we're prudish and better, but because it's God's call on our lives to show up we're free. <laughs> yeah? Then we can really love people and know that it makes a difference because we live in a different type of life from a different spring, from a different source. It's two minutes to 12. I'd like Wendy to read a hymn. And it's a hymn that Alison made known to us as a group. I'd not heard it before. Wendy's not going to sing it, are you? Fortunately not, no. Can we have a microphone? Yeah. And, uh, but they're lovely words, so perhaps it's better to hear them than to try and sing them. <clears throat> Take time to be holy. Speak oft with the Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. Take time to be holy, the world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him thou shalt be. Thy friends in thy conduct his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy, let him be thy guide, and run not before him, whatever betide. In joy or in sorrow, still follow thy Lord, and looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul, each thought and each temper beneath his control. Thus, led by his spirit to fountains of love, thou soon shall be fitted for service above. Thank you.